Thank you for being with us today at Destiny Church. At Destiny, we believe that God has a plan and purpose for your life. And his plan and his purpose is beyond anything that we could ever plan or purpose for ourselves. And so thank you for being with us today and worshiping with us. Uh, If you would, open with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. If you're new with us here at Destiny Church, uh, I'm the pastor. My name's Matt Bell, and I just want to welcome you to Destiny Church. Let's give anybody who's new here today a nice clap. We're glad that you're here with us today. We're going to spend a little bit of time in God's Word. We're going through Romans chapter 8, which is the greatest chapter in the Bible Give me an amen if you believe that. Have I convinced you yet? Romans 8 is the greatest chapter in the Bible. Today we're going to look at what I think is the greatest verse in the greatest chapter in all the Bible. I think this might be my favorite verse in the whole Bible today. We're going to look at it. But we're in week six, I believe, of going through this, uh, this chapter uh, in eight weeks. And uh, this morning... We're going to see that the Holy Spirit helps us. How many of you need some help from time to time? My wife said a really loud amen on that one. No, she didn't, but it'd be funny if she did. That's why I said it. But anyway, we need help from time to time. How many of you probably would say you need help more than you realize you need help? Yeah. You're not afraid to admit that. I heard a lot of ladies say amen on that. And it, a lot of times the guys, we don't want to admit that we need help, right? Which shows all the more just how much help we really need. We need help. Lots of help. You know, it's so funny. Like my kids, they, they don't ask for help. They want to do it on their own. Like my, you know, I've got four kids, they're all really little, and they're going through, you know, different stages and ages, and at some point, they all get to the place where they don't want you to buckle their car seat anymore, even though they can't do it yet. And so there's this thing of, I don't need help. I don't want help. I want to do it on my own. And it's like, you know how much easier and how much faster and how much quicker and how much more peaceful this whole process would be if you would just let your dad help? But they, they dig in there. And so we sit there, okay. And they try and they try. And then finally, you know what they say? I need help. Can you help me? You know, it's so funny how, how so often we don't, want help. And it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, I, from time to time, I, I do some traveling. And um, how many of you have been to the airport where they have those, those motorized walkways, those escalators that you just, you, you stand on and it just moves for you, right? And these huge, long concourses. And so every time I see one of those, you know what I do? I get on it every single time. I get on that thing because I got bags and luggage and I get on this thing, and man, I'm flying, and I'm barely giving any effort at all. But you know what I always see when I'm on one of those? Some dude next to me just, you know, struggling and pulling his bag, 
And I'm like, why aren't you on this thing? Like, it makes no sense at all. This is here. The power is here. The help is here. And that's the help that God makes available to us through the Holy Spirit. But so many times we don't want to get on for whatever reason. We say, I got this. I'm tough. John Wayne could make it through, and I'm going to just John Wayne it. I just need a little bit more caffeine. I just need a little bit more and one more Snickers. You know, I'm going to be able to to make it through on my own. Do Do you need help? No. You know, God providentially has someone call you. Hey, brother, how you doing? You doing all right? Doing fine. Your whole world's burning down in ashes and smoke. <laughs> Doing fine. Anything I can pray with you about? No, I got this. It's like, wh- why? We need help. I need help. And, and, and better than a friend, better than a brother or a sister, we have God, who the Bible tells us is an ever-present Help in time of need. And so today we're going to see a little bit about how the Holy Spirit helps us in Romans chapter 8. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, that, that revelation from the Holy Spirit, Lord, that it would, it would pierce the dark crevices of our heart today. That, that you would bring illumination to us and and that we would know you in a deeper way, in a closer way, in a, in a more tender way. Lord, that you would, would, would shine your lights, your word, which is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Lord, help us uh, to enter into a, a deeper walk with you through our time in the word today. That we would bring glory to you and praise to your wonderful name. It's in that name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 Romans 8, uh, chapter Uh, or verse 26, it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for us words. And he who searches the hearts, that's the Holy Spirit, he knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Who's that? That's us. The Spirit intercedes for the saints, intercedes for us according to the will of God. Now, to understand here specifically what Paul is talking about, we we need to remind ourselves of of the context of of where we've been at in Romans chapter 8, specifically where he says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. What is this weakness that he's talking about? Well, as, as we looked at last week, as Pastor Mark brought the word last week, he was explaining to us that at times in this life, we go through what was it that he talked about? Suffering. That, that there's times in, in the life of a, of a Christian where we go through suffering, where we go through hardship, where, where we go through 
for seasons of, of difficulty and, and not understanding what God's will is and what God's plan is. We, we saw this back in uh, uh, verse 17 of, of Romans chapter 8 where he says, if children, then heirs, we're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with Christ in order that we may also be glorified with him. And then we saw last week that Paul said that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. And then we saw how, how all of creation is even suffering. And because sin has entered into the world, there's, there's brokenness and there's, there's pain. And, and you don't need me to explain this to you. Uh, we've all experienced this. We, we all live in this world with, yes, we are children of God and we're part of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light, but there's still a kingdom of darkness in, in effect in the world. Have you seen this? Have you seen that there's another kingdom at work? That, that there's angels and then there's also demons and there's satanic forces at work in our world and in our culture and, and, and even at times in our family and our, our workplace people that are, are dominated and, and led by dark spiritual forces. And they don't like the light. And there's this war raging, this battle raging, and, and we're in the middle of it. And because of that, there are times where we will suffer. And as we saw last week, we don't lose heart because of the sufferings. Because, as Paul says, the, the, the sufferings, this, this light and momentary affliction is not even worth comparing to the glory that we will receive. Mark said it's like a scale, and on one side of the scale is the glory that will be revealed in us as, as Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom and, and, and makes everything right that has gone wrong and, and wipes every tear from our eyes and heals every sickness, every disease, and every broken heart. That on, on this side, even our bodies will be glorified. We'll never wear out. We'll never have gray hair, praise God, right? All the wrinkles will be gone. We'll look like those filters on Instagram, right? Where we just have plastic faces. It'll be awesome, right? That all of this is on this side of the scale. And, and over here is this light and momentary affliction, these sufferings, the the broken hearts, the, the sickness, the disease, the cancer, the, the broken lives, the abuse, the words that have been spoken over you and to you, and the lies that have been given to you, and, and the hurt and the heart, all of the, the suffering on this side, you can pile as, it as high as you want, and it does not tip the scale. Paul says it's, it's not even worth comparing. They're not, it's not even worth mentioning in the same sentence. It's so much greater. And so that's last week's sermon. I don't know why I'm re-preaching that, but, but because of that, we don't lose heart. However, however, how do we relate to God in the midst of all of that? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't know what we should be praying for. I, I, I often times go before the Lord and 
I'm burdened about something. I'm burdened about someone. That there's some situation and circumstance. And I, I come before the Lord in prayer and I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to pray for. Have you ever experienced this? I've, I've prayed every prayer. I've cried every tear. I've, I've said everything I know to say. I've got, well, what is even God's will in this situation? I don't even pretend to know. The Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't always know what the will of God is. We don't always know. There's so many times where I'm, even this week, I, I just came before the Lord. I said, God, I, I don't even know. I, I, it was like this groaning that he's talking about. This like, you're going to have to do something, God. I don't know what you're going to do, but it's on you. This, this groaning that he, he talks about and we saw last week that we groan, waiting for the redemption that's been promised to us, that even all of creation is, is groaning, is sighing, is, is waiting for redemption. And, and here it says that in us, the Holy Spirit is interceding with groanings too deep for words. You know, sometimes we think the enemy, he's so... I can't stand that guy, the devil. He just gets on my nerves, but he, he just speaks words of condemnation over us all the time. And words like, you know, if you were a real Christian, you'd know what to pray for. You know, if you were really spiritually in tune, you would know what to pray for right now. You ever heard that? Well, apparently, that's not true. Because in our weakness, the Spirit intercedes for us and through us. And that's part of why God has given us the Spirit. You know, the other part of this weakness is that sometimes our will is not lined up with God's will. Have you ever found that to be true? And so this is our weakness in our flesh that, you know, we would pray, Lord, this suffering, this pain, this heartache, this brokenness, take this from me. Even as the Apostle Paul prayed that, you know, the, the, the Apostle Paul had what was called a thorn in the flesh. Have you read about that in 2 Corinthians? Paul says that a thorn in the flesh was given to him, a messenger of Satan, he called it. And three times the Apostle Paul, he says, pleaded with God to take this thorn from him. Now, we don't know what it was. It could have been any number of things. But how many of you know that pleading with someone is not just a, Lord, um, could you please help me with this splinter, this thorn in the flesh that I have? No, this is a, a deep, visceral, from the depths of your soul, crying out, God, I need you to take this from me. Father, this, this pain, this, this torment, this suffering, I need you to lift my burden. Three times the Apostle Paul prayed and asked for God to remove this thorn from him. And we know, what did God say? He said, actually, I'm not going to remove the thorn from you. Instead, I'm going to give you my power 
so that my power would be on display in your life. And what I'm going to do is instead of removing the, the pain, the suffering, the torment from you, instead of taking that from you, instead I'm going to give you something even greater, the power of my spirit. Instead of taking something off of you, I'm going to put something on you and that you will be able to endure. You will be able to make it through. You will be more than a conqueror as you endure this thorn in your flesh. And, and Paul says, I will boast all the more in my weakness because it's in my weakness that the power of God is manifest, put on display. And could it be that in your life, what God is wanting to do is to put his power on display? Could, could it be that the reason why you are suffering and the reason why you are in pain and the reason why you are experiencing this trial is not to break you, but rather so that God's power could come on you and that his glory would be put on display in your life. And so that everyone who sees what you're going through would just have to stand back and say, wow, look at what God is doing. Look at how God is holding them up. Look at how God is giving them strength. They'll come to you and say, I don't know how you can make it through this. And you say, I don't know either except God is giving me the strength day by day, moment by moment. In our weakness, the Spirit comes. He gives us strength. He helps us when we don't know what to pray for. Paul here was praying against the will of God. I've done that. Not, not, not knowingly, but we don't know. In our weakness, we don't know. When the, when the fire is turned up, when the flame is turned up, the, the testing of our faith, which James says, count it all joy, when you experience various trials of various kinds, because the testing of your faith will perfect you, basically. When the fire is turned up, what do I pray for? God, would, could the fire be turned down, please? Would you please remove this test, remove this trial from me? It's in our weakness that we cry out these kinds of prayers. Even Jesus, the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22, Jesus, looking towards the cross, looking towards the pain, the suffering, looking towards him being crushed under the weight of sin, he prays out to the Father, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That in our weakness, in our flesh, there is part of our flesh that no matter how much God is glorified, we will not enjoy the process. We will not enjoy the suffering. Yet Jesus, who was perfect, fully God, fully man, submits his will to the Father's will and says, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And when you can pray that prayer, you can know that it's the Spirit that's interceding in you and through you. When God can bring you to the point where you say, you know, God, I'd really rather not have to go through this, but it's not about me. It's all about you. And I pray that your power 
would be manifest, that your glory will be done, that your will would be accomplished and not my will. There are times where we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray for, where all we have left is groaning. We just say, God, Father, Abba. And in that, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. He, it says, he who searches the mind and hearts, who knows all things, he always prays according to the will of God. And I heard, I heard one preacher put it this way, that the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and he translates them on the way up. He, he fixes them on the way up. So that by the time they reach the Father's ears, it's perfectly in accordance with God's will. And he says, yes, 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 always yes, yes, yes. And so we, can, we, we don't need to be paralyzed by not praying when we don't know how to pray. Because when we enter into those seasons of, of, of deep prayer and intercession, it's when we're closest to the Lord. Where the Spirit is praying in us and the Spirit is praying through us, and the Spirit is helping us. And sometimes we wonder, is it me that's praying? Is it the Spirit that's praying? Where does one stop and where does the other end? And the only way I can think to explain this is by telling you a little illustration of something that happened to me a couple years ago. A couple years ago, we bought a piano. We wanted to teach our children how to play the piano. And so we looked, I got on Craigslist and I found this really wonderful hundred-year-old antique upright piano. And so I bought it. I got a really great deal. It was mine. I had paid for it. Now, the problem with hundred-year-old antique pianos is that they are very, very, very insanely heavy. I mean, <laughs> hundreds of pounds, heavy. And so I called up a bunch of young strapping men from the church, Ezra I called up, and I called Ben Gongora and Justin Engler and Jim Warner, and I called my brother Mitchell for moral support, and um, <laughs> no, he was helpful too. And even Rick Vela, I called Rick Vela, he has a trailer, and I said, I need help moving this piano. And we all got around it and kind of went, mm, and it, it, it like came off like half an inch, and we looked at each other like, oh my gosh, this is going to be fun as we get it down the stairs here. Just not a flight of stairs, but like, you know, stairs down the curb and then up the curb and up the stairs at my house. And yeah, yeah you're groaning too deep for words here today. <laughs> so I was there, and I remember specifically being at my house, and I'm there, and like the six of us are surrounding this piano, and we're lifting this thing with everything we got, and I'm lifting with everything I got. And what little muscles I have were bulging a little bit, and just putting my back into it. I felt the resistance of the weight, but at some point, I just was really tired, and it was awkward, and I couldn't fit through, and I just let go, and you know what happened? Nothing because I wasn't carrying it at all. <laughs> In fact, once I stopped helping and got out of the way, 
it was able to be done much quicker. <laughs> and this is what it's like when the Spirit helps us. We think we're the ones praying. We feel like we're the ones interceding. It feels like we're doing the work. We feel the resistance. But the truth is, it's the power of the Holy Spirit who's working through us, who's carrying it through us. If we're praying according to God's will, it's only because he's revealed it to us and he's helping us pray those kinds of prayers because my will and God's will are usually not aligned. And so if I'm praying according to God's will, it's because the Holy Spirit has gotten in the middle and tweaked me and fixed me and worked on me so that we can pray prayers in accordance with God's word. We can pray prayers in accordance with God's will. So let me just encourage you, if you ever feel discouraged because I don't know what to pray for, hey, welcome to being a Christian. Welcome to the Christian life. I get distracted when I pray. Welcome to being a Christian. But the Spirit intercedes with us, for us, in us, through us, and He We'll make sure that our prayers are pleasing to God. Amen. And we move on now to verse 28, which I think is the greatest verse in the whole Bible. We look at verse 26, and he says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know. You know, there's a lot of things we don't know. The list of things that I don't know could fill this whole room. I don't understand why this has happened. I don't understand God's will in this situation. If it were me, it would not have gone this way or that way. I don't know. I don't understand. But Paul doesn't leave us in the realm of what we don't know. He moves us into what we do know. And Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. He, he moves us from beyond the realm of what we don't know. I don't understand God's will here. I don't understand God's will there. I, I don't know what I should be praying for in this circumstance and he moves us from that place into the place where we can know for sure. We can be 100% certain. Not 99.99999, but that we can know for sure that for those who love God, all things are working together for our good. Do you know that? Do, do you really know that? Do you know what he means by all things? I looked it up in the original Greek. And I'm here to tell you today that even in the Greek, all means all. <laughs> even, in, even in the Greek, it's, it's not God works some things, 
God works a few things or God works most things. No, it is that God works all things for my good. All things. Every good thing, every bad thing is working for my good. That means when I get good news or when I get bad news, God is working it for my good. When I hear the report I wanted from the doctor or I hear the dreaded report that I thought I would never hear, it doesn't matter because God is working all things for my good. Amen. This is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Within this verse is contained every other promise of God for your life. That everything that happens in your life, good, evil, God will take it and he will work it and transform it and resurrect the dead parts of it for your benefit, for your good. And so even in pain, even in hardship, even in difficulty, even in defeat and in suffering, and even when I don't understand God's will and what he's doing, even in that, God is working it for my good. Everything that we experience in this life. So what this means is that we as Christians should have this unshakable confidence that nothing comes to me except what is good for me. I live by the power of the Holy Spirit with an unshakable confidence that nothing comes to me unless it is good for me. Some of you are acting like there's a caveat coming. There's no caveat. There's no hidden but coming in the next verse. God will work all things for your good if you love him and you're called according to his purpose. Do you love God? Have you been called according to his purpose? Then every single moment of every single day, every single event that you've ever experienced in your whole life, God will work it for your good, period, done, end, finished, amen. But what about this? Yes. What about that? Yes. How can it be this? I don't know, but he will. This is an all-inclusive, all-encompassing, nothing left out, no like fine print at the bottom. This is a promise for you if you're part of God's people. And we should live in this every single day. We should wake up every single day and say, I don't know what's coming my way today, but I know if it comes my way, it's for my good. We should lay our head down at night, even if it's been the worst day of our life, and we say, I don't know how, but I know that God is going to work it for my good. Joseph, at the end of Genesis, how many of you remember Joseph, the story of Joseph? Joseph, who was despised by his older brothers, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, who was falsely accused of sexual assault, who was thrown into prison 
to the pit of a prison in Egypt who was forgotten by everyone. Years later, after God has redeemed him from prison and and set him over Egypt as the second highest ruler and, and used him to save not only his family but an entire nation, Joseph, to his brothers, he tells them this in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says, you know what you meant for my evil. God meant it for my good. What you meant for evil, God meant for my good. Now, Joseph, did he see it when they had thrown him into the pit? No. Did he see it when they had sold him into slavery? No. Did he see it when he got thrown into jail for doing the right thing? No. Some 30 years he waits. But God was working a salvation for his people. God was working something for his good and for his glory. And he was moving the pieces in place. And so Joseph looks at his brothers and he says, I forgive you. You meant it for evil, but God was working for my good all along. I didn't see it then, but I see it now that even though it was hard and it was difficult, had I never been through it, I wouldn't be where I am today. And listen, God's not done with your story yet. Are you here today? Are you breathing today? The book's not finished. There's another chapter. There's another season. There's another volume. There's a glory to be revealed in you and through you that you don't see yet. But God is going to work it for your good. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I'm here in jail been caught and thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. But you know what he says? He says, you know what God has done? He's taken my imprisonment and he's, he's really used it to advance the kingdom of God. Even though the enemies tried to shut me up, even though Satan tried to get me off the preaching circuit by putting me in jail, actually, since I've been in jail, you know what's happened? The ministry's just ramped up. The gospel's just being advanced. That God takes what the enemy means for evil and he works it for our good. This is an unshakable promise. This is with no caveats, with no fine print. I want to read to you a quote. This is from John Piper in his book, Future Grace. He says, if you live inside this massive promise, your life is more solid and more stable than Mount Everest. Nothing can blow you over when you are inside the walls of Romans 8.28. Outside of Romans 8.28, all is confusion and anxiety and fear and uncertainty. Outside of Romans 8.28, outside of this promise of all-encompassing future grace, outside are straw houses of drugs, straw houses, false refuges of pornography, and dozens of futile diversions. There are slat walls and tin roofs of fragile investment strategies and fleeting insurance coverages and trivial retirement plans. There's cardboard fortifications of deadlock bolts and 
alarm systems and anti-ballistic missiles. Outside are a thousand substitutes for Romans 8.28. But once you walk through the door of love into the massive, unshakable structure of Romans 8.28, everything changes. There comes into your life stability and depth and freedom. You simply can't be blown over anymore. The confidence that a sovereign God governs for your good, all the pain and all the pleasure that you will ever experience is an incomparable refuge and security and hope and power in your life. Amen. I want you to live inside of the reality of Romans 8:28 every single day that the all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign God is providentially working through your life all things for your good. That the end of your story is not defeat, but it's victory. Who does this verse apply to? Well, it applies to those who have been called by God according to his purpose. It call, it, it, it's for those who love God. It's for God's people. It's for the Christian. Are you a Christian today? Yes. This verse is for you. If you're not a Christian today, this doesn't apply to you. In fact, the truth is, all things are working for your bad if you do not love God and are not walking in accordance with his purpose. But for the Christian today, if it comes to me, I know it's good for me because God has allowed it in my life and he will work it for my good. How can we be confident of this? How can we be confident of this? He explains this in the last few verses. He gives this unbroken chain, this unbroken succession of events that's meant to give us a bedrock assurance that God will work all things for our good. Verse 29, he says that those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he, that's Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he has also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is an unbroken chain, an unbreakable chain of events that ends ultimately with us being glorified, with us receiving the glorified body, living with Christ for all eternity, worshiping him in the new heavens and the new earth. This is where it's all headed. And how can I be sure that I'm heading there? Well, it says that it started, God started this process before you were even born, before your parents were born, before your parents' parents 
were born, before your parents' great-great-grandparents were born, before even our first parents, Adam and Eve, were born, before even creation began. It says that God foreknew you. What does that mean? It means that God set his love upon you. That God looked through the corridor of time and he looked at you and he loved you. It's all of grace. It's all of mercy. Undeserved love. Undeserved mercy. And that those who God foreknew, he has predestined that they be conformed to the image of his son. This is actually the good that God is working in our lives. That everything we experience, that ultimately it's producing Jesus Christ's character within us. That, that though we suffer, we suffer as Christ did, and though Christ suffered, he will be glorified as well, and we will share in the glory of Christ when he returns. This is an unbroken chain of events from, from foreknowing to predestination to be conformed into the image of Christ to an effectual call in your life to justification. That means you're declared righteous today. That all of your sins are forgiven. All of the separation between you and God removed because of Christ's death for you. And that it results in glorification. And Paul can write about it in the past tense because he is so certain that it will happen. That there's no way this cannot happen. That you can know for sure 100% where you are going because this is an unbroken chain of events. It cannot be broken. Everyone God foreknew, he has predestined, he has called, he has justified, and he will glorify, and we will share in that glory. Now, there's some people that struggle with predestination, and hey, welcome to the party. How does it work with my will and free will and God's sovereign will? You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we can ever understand all of that. And you know what we do when we bump up against things where it just starts to make our head hurt? You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to fall down on our knees and we're just supposed to say, God, I just worship you because you are so much bigger than I could even begin to fathom. This thinking about you makes my head hurt. It's a problem for me, but it's not a problem for you because your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are beyond my thoughts. And, and what you have planned for me, I, I know is even better than I could even imagine. And, and so, Lord, I don't understand it, but I'm, I'm thankful for it. Lord, I don't understand it, but I'm glad that I was called. I'm glad you called me. Well, what about this person? What about that person? What about people on the other side of the planet? Look, that's God's business. Just be glad that you were called. That you were predestined, that you were foreknown, that you are justified and that you will be glorified. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap this morning. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm not a, I'm not a part of that category. If I look at my life, I can tell, yeah, I love myself more than I love God. I've felt the call of God on my life. I've, I've heard the gospel preached. I've heard about the grace of Jesus and the cross of Christ and, and having my sins forgiven, but, but I've not surrendered to the call of God on my life. Listen, dear brother, dear sister, God is calling you today. God is calling you out of darkness 
and into what the scripture calls his marvelous light. You can know when you leave here today that all things are working for your good. If you will surrender your life to Jesus Christ, if you will put your faith in him, if you will let go of, the, the, of everything else and simply come to the cross and say, Father, forgive me. Help me to serve Jesus. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was God who called you and that there's an unbroken chain and that no matter what your life has been like in the past, it could be death, it could be defeat, it could be brokenness, it could be shame, that there comes a, a moment in every Christian's life where we become a new creation. There's new life that's poured into our hearts. And we get down on our knees before the Lord, but when, when we stand up, we are made new. And no matter what the past has looked like, the future doesn't have to look like that. The future with Jesus is, is always glory. Is God working all things for your good? And so if you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, today is your day. God is calling your name today. He's calling out to you and saying it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to stop running. It's time for you to stop doing things your way. It's time for you to enter into a relationship with me. I'm not talking about joining the church. I'm not talking about joining a religion. I'm, I'm talking about a, a real and true and vibrant relationship with God that only comes by knowing Jesus Christ. So if we would all bow our heads today, I want to give everybody here today an opportunity to pray a simple prayer and invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. I really believe that God is moving on some people's hearts right now. What that is, is, is not the emotions of this moment. It's actually the Holy Spirit drawing you, calling you. What I'm going to ask all of us to do is, I just want to lead us all in a simple prayer. And as we pray this prayer, I would ask you to pray this prayer trusting in Jesus Christ, putting your faith in him. So let's pray this prayer together. Repeat after me, everyone. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin. I repent of my sin. I ask you to cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. I am now your child. Help me to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.